Creator Pod listeners, here we are rolling along with season 13 episode something or other. I, I don't even know anymore. But um, Darrell, it is, uh, it, it's great to be back together again. I feel like we've put up a bunch of episodes, but I've hardly recorded over the last two months. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Starting to get back into the swing of things just in time for a mall of change. <laughs> and uh, tonight we have a guest who uh, ironically is about a mile and a half away from me right now, sitting in his own uh, dining room, it looks like. Um, uh, this is Captain Nate Heinzman. Hey, great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. So Nate, along with his lovely wife, Larita, are the youth leaders for the Salvation Army in Massachusetts, and uh, Darrell and and. His lovely wife are the youth leaders for the Southwest Ohio Northeast Kentucky Division. So you guys are in the same job. And then I was thinking about it. Are you? Did you overlap at the training college? Uh, no, Nate. Nate was in training. Overlapped with Willow. Okay. Um, and Winter still doesn't like him very much. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> so what is it? <laughs> so um, we were doing a. Uh, ventriloquist act myself and another session mate and uh i dressed up like a ventriloquist dummy with uh all the makeup on my face uh, was thrown into a, a tote a plastic tote and pulled out and hand up my back and uh just kind of did the the marionette sort of thing and uh terrified winter i think <laughs> yeah to this day there might be some some lingering ptsd it's it's just bad blood <laughs> uh and for those who who don't know Nate uh he is 6 foot 7 and so uh seeing him as a ventriloquist uh dummy is uh, is is really something else yeah. um uh yeah you you are you are not a tall man um and you you married a taller woman which to me is just the ultimate move of confidence well, most women are taller than me, so um, there's a very small sample size left. Um, I mean, to be fair, if I was as handsome as Nate, I'd have a lot of confidence, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I've always... He agrees. He's that handsome. <laughs> no, no, not on that, not on that end. Um, I, I, I've always kind of been secure with, with my height. I mean, my dad, my, my dad's 5'5", five five, my mom's 5'0", my brother's about the same height as me. So I've, I've always been around short people. And, uh, but like your uncle's like a tall string bean, isn't he? Yeah. So I have a, I have a stepfather. And so that not biologically related Got to it. that. Okay. Side of the All right. So I, I like to pretend that I have some, some height in my family, but I really <laughs> don't. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I worked at camp with both, uh, your uncle and your stepfather, um, yeah. camp Allegheny back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and this is a busy time of the year for, uh, for both of you in your positions. Um, and, uh, the Swinecki division has just come through youth councils. So, uh, Darrell, you want to um, just, you know, do some translating for the non-Salvation Army audience. Uh, we've talked about youth councils many times on this podcast before, but uh, what is it? 
Uh, Youth Councils is a retreat for teenagers uh, and, ele- and middle school age kids. And it's just a fantastic weekend where we challenge them to grow spiritually and as leaders. And without fail, they step up to that challenge. And it's for multiple congregations coming together. So um, depending on the, the size of the Salvation Army division that's that's represented, you might get uh, anywhere. I mean, I don't know. Uh, the, the numbers are, are hard after, uh, you know, COVID these last couple of years. Um, but, uh, but, you know, between a hundred and 200, uh, young people together for the weekend. Um, and, uh, and so you have, uh, you've already had yours and the Massachusetts division is, is ramping up for theirs. Uh, but one of the unique things about this youth retreat is that the theme is the same whether you are in Ohio or in Massachusetts. So, uh, Nate, what is the theme for this year's youth councils? The theme is one of a kind, and it's based off of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Um, before before you were born, I knew you, but uh, before you were formed in the womb, you know, I set you apart and chose you. And uh, so really just trying to impress upon our young people that they've been created with a purpose and that God loves them. And um, despite anything else the world might say about you, uh, what God speaks over you is, is stronger and far more significant. And uh, and the, the Massachusetts Youth Council's weekend is coming up in like two weeks? Yeah, May 20th through the 22nd here at uh, Camp Wonderland. And Darrell, you guys were, what, two weeks ago? We were the first week of April. Okay. Got it. Um, so, uh, so tell us how you expressed that uh, one of a kind theme with your youth councils weekend, Darrell. Uh, we we had a wonderful time. So, with the change in age to extri- strictly middle school and high school, we decided to split them up by their school groups so that we can do age appropriate uh, breakout sessions. And we actually went away from the breakout sessions and did small groups that they would be with the entire weekend. Uh, which was great. And uh, it was wonderful. And some of the things that we hit on, we really tried to impress upon them and, and use some motifs that they're familiar with around social media. So all the groups were named after different social media platforms. Uh, and we got to talk to them about how social media does not determine their identity. Rather, God determines their identity. Um, one of my favorite parts about the weekend where we created verified badges for all the social media platforms uh, to honor our core cadets. So all the kids with verified badges were people who were in core cadets and they got to verify other people during the weekend uh, so they could skip the line to get lunch first or get things from the canteen. Uh, it was a great opportunity for them to tell a lot of the first timers what core cadets was. Uh, we just tried to go in a different direction this summer and it just worked out really well. Weather tried to go against us that early in April, but uh, it turned out to be a fantastic and blessed weekend. And uh, so, so were the kids who were MySpace and black planet, like pretty upset or, <laughs> <laughs> no, you should have saw the kids who got Tumblr. They didn't know what it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there, there's some new black social media platform. I'm, I'm trying to think of the name. The Anscape? Is that what it is? I thought it was just the Brooklyn Core. <laughs> um, of course, you can't Google Anscape because it thinks you want to the landscape, but I'm pretty sure I keep seeing ads for the landscape. Anyways. Um, yeah. Sports, race, culture, HBCUs, and more. 
there you go. Oh, it used to be the undefeated. It's now Anscape. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with the undefeated because of Jamel Hill and all those folks. Right. Uh, and so, Nate, what do uh, what does the Massachusetts Youth Department team have in store for uh, for youth councils? Yeah, um, we're really excited. We have a, a dynamic guest speaker joining us from um, Orange. His name's Stuart Hall. Uh, we had the privilege, uh, Darrell and I, and uh, and our lovely lovely wives to to sit under his teaching a little bit um, at a uh, youth leaders conference back in October. Um, so he's going to be bringing the word each day. Uh, we're really excited as well. Also, this year with the change in the age um, and the focus more uh, intentionally on, on middle school and high school age uh, to involve our young people um, in in facets facets throughout the programming um, in new ways. And so, um, having our Star Search participants. Um, provide musical offerings. Um, we're also doing the small group component as well to follow up each session uh, to drive home some of the themes from the day. Um, and yeah, just really looking forward to, to being together for a full weekend. Uh, last year we, when we did youth councils, it was a one day event, which was really hard to kind of, you know, go through the, the whole buildup of the weekend in, in, in one day. Um, we were appreciative for that opportunity, but really looking forward now to allowing the, the teaching and, and the music and the fellowship together to really just uh, marinate in a, in a powerful way over the course of the weekend. And both of you have referenced the, the age change. So what was the, uh, what was the age range on this event and, uh, and what is it now? So the, the age range was anyone that was considered youth. So if you were about camp or core cadet age, all the way up to whatever the definition of young adult is now, uh, so you'd have some 12 year olds, you know, sitting not too far away from a 30 year old trying to absorb the same message um, in a way that it's presented that because of the wideness of that group was probably more geared toward either one or the other and not really both of them. Yeah. Right. And so this year they're really trying to focus in on putting the youth back in youth councils. Um, and, and there are opportunities for young adults uh, for fellowship and, and teaching in other environments, but trying to reserve this weekend more for that middle school, high school crowd. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so given that, uh, do either of you have a memory of a particularly creative youth pastor um, in your uh, days as a teen that sort of, sticks out in your mind. I'll let you take that one, Nate. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta think here. Well, I uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say growing up at the North West side core in Jersey, um, our YPSM was about a 50 year old Bayesian man. Young um, people, Nate. Sergeant major. <laughs> Yeah. And uh he was he was fantastic. So our core, the way Hold it on. Was what did you say his what did you say his background was? He was Bayesian? Bayesian. He's from Barbados. Oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's from Barbados. And uh we had an afternoon service every single Sunday just for teens. And it'd be about thirty of us there every evening on a Sunday. And he would just challenge us to do scripture recitation, um, you know, learn our doctrines and really studying them and going deep. And I can remember him giving having a competition that whoever memorized Psalm 51, uh, the fastest, was going to get a new bike. And uh, I went home. I memorized that passage of scripture overnight. 
ran in the next day, said it to him, got my bike, and my core officer had me running errands all over town on that stinking bike. <laughs> and I wish I had never won it. I was so happy when someone stole it. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, when I when I was growing up, my my mom was actually my young people sergeant major before um, before they went to the seminary, and uh, so my mom uh, trying to rope me into anything possible um, had me getting up and and doing you know timbrel drills and tambourine performances in church and all those crazy things. And then when I when I finally was in high school um, and and uh, at our at our core, we had a youth pastor who started an Xbox ministry um, with. Halo and Madden and all those great uh, games of, of my youth that uh, I still appreciate to this day. Um, but it was just it was a cool opportunity to get some new kids in the core, bring kids from my from my school inside. And then after we would play Xbox and, and uh, actually go outside and play some some pickup basketball and things like that, um, we we'd go up to his apartment and um, he opened the word and we'd have food. And it was just a great time. Great time of fellowship. So. I'm, I'm thankful for the. Go ahead. I'm not much of a gamer, so Halo. That's a faith-based video game, right? It's oh, angels, yeah. <laughs> Halos, all that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, in in other creative pursuits, Nate, uh, we know that you just got back from uh, from a band practice. So, uh, so you are a, a musician uh, brought up in the in the Salvation Army history of of brass or the Her- Salvation Army heritage of brass banding. Uh, yeah. What instruments uh, do you play? So um, unlike most kids who are five or six years old and their dad's throwing a a baseball to them in their yard, uh, my dad was handing me a mouthpiece and teaching me how to buzz on a mouthpiece. So I started out on a a cornet, which is basically a small version of a trumpet uh, when I was about six years old. Um, Didn't do too well with that one, um, but gravitated towards some some larger instruments along the way alto horn um and now i currently play euphonium uh not very well um but i enjoy uh the opportunity to to make music and to uh worship in that way and so currently playing euphonium and trying to get a little better (laughs) and and is that because you're you're filling in for a need in the band that you are now playing euphonium yeah the uh the music director um i just said hey just put me wherever you need me and so um filling in, in in that way and enjoying sitting next to capable people that know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, a little more air going through euphonium. For for those who don't know, euphonium is basically the biggest horn short of a tuba. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of air and it's and it's typically a solo instrument, so it has a lot of the runs um that uh you have to be pretty confident to play. And so um just working on building up that confidence. Yeah, so you're playing like a, a cornet or trumpet part on a on a low brass instrument. Yeah, exactly. It's a high degree of difficulty. I actually picked up an alto horn on Sunday because we had uh we had a, a brand new player in our band, a young man in our in our congregation joined the band and one of our college students who's been away for a little bit came back uh, to play the fourth part. So we actually had four cornets already. So I was superfluous at that point. So I picked up the alto horn to play the play the third part. We had all four parts in the uh, in the Croc Chapel for the first time, and nobody can remember how long at this point. So that was uh, that was really exciting. That was uh, Warren's son, uh, Conroy Jr. Durrell. Uh, joined oh, the fantastic! Band. Yeah, and That's and awesome. the whole Oates family came out to see his debut. It was really. <laughs> It was terrific. Nice. A lot of fun. Nice. 
So you started early uh, playing brass. Uh, was that a, a big part of your life? You, you said it replaced catch in the front yard. So, I, I mean, uh, you know, you played in school bands and in, in, in the Salvation Army bands, I assume? Um, yeah, I, I, I also love sports. Um, I just didn't have parents that, like, were sporty parents. And so, fortunately, I was able to latch on to, to friends and other coaches that were able to help me in that department. Um, but music was my my first uh, kind of love, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, all through middle school and high school, playing in jazz band, playing in symphonic band, uh, actually playing. I went to a Mennonite high school <laughs> in central Pennsylvania, and uh, the the high school didn't have any any sports, but they had a uh, choir and a, uh, a handbell choir and a tour choir. And so um, I jumped into that because that was the cool thing to do in uh, central Pennsylvania in those days. But um, still, I heard still they had one of the best handbell choirs on, for all the high schools <laughs> in central Pennsylvania. Yeah, you heard right. You heard right. But yeah, I love music to this day. Um, and yeah, not the greatest musician in the world, but I, I'll always try and uh, yeah, just enjoy How it. How did you come to go to a Mennonite high school? So um, I, we moved three times when I was in high school. I went to three different high schools. Um, first high school was uh, McKeesport High School south of Pittsburgh. Um, pretty urban environment. Um, large school. I'd say 20, 2,500, 3,000 kids. Um, great football program. And then uh, moved to central Pennsylvania, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, um, which is pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Um, and went to a, went to a school there that was very small. Um, but it was one of those type of high schools that if you don't grow up in that community, um, it's really hard to fit in and belong. And so I was really struggling as a, as a, a sophomore and junior in high school to really find my place. And so, um, went to a private Christian high school, Johnstown Christian school, um, which was a Mennonite tradition, um, our senior class had 25 kids and 21 of them were male and four <laughs> females. And so when it came to like a senior banquet, because we didn't have dances or proms, we had banquet. When it came to asking the girls to, to banquet, um, the, the, the pickings were very slim. I would love to see what a Mennonite banquet poser <laughs> looks like. Great food, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> but, but no dancing, no music. No, no dancing. Yeah. Yeah. khaki pants and flannel shirts you know and uh, and uh, i mean the mennonites uh i don't know i i lived in pennsylvania too so you know i feel like i i know from the mennonites but uh sort of like one step more modern than the amish is that a is that a fair assessment on on the mennonites you know in terms of look and what they what they wear they're they're part of the amish tradition in terms of the, the plain church tradition yes um yep. but uh yeah yeah. So that that is a, a very different uh, experience for uh, for the last two years of your high school career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Darrell, any in-depth Mennonite questions for you? <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say that it explains a lot, you know, <laughs> and now knowing that that's how his formative years were concluded. 
but no, you know, you, you do a good job on, in the sports. I've played basketball with Nate. I've played football with Nate. I've played softball with Nate. He's, he's a pretty athletic guy. Um, don't let him fool you with all this Mennonite dance talk. <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, they had one, they had a basketball team at this school and you probably can imagine how great uh, Mennonites are at basketball. Not very good. And so, so, so not great that I actually made the team and, <laughs> and started and was not great at all. And it so, was Nate and the four girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely, uh, definitely impacted your facial hair choices, right? I mean, oh, yeah. beard, beard for life going to Mennonite high school. <laughs> of course. Um, I would put both uh, both of you into the category of creative preachers. Um, so uh, do, do you think that's a, a fair assessment? That's a bad question. Um, anyway, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think I think it's a fair question um, or a fair assessment. Rather, I, I would say that there's creativity in Nate's presentation. I've been able to hear him speak. And I think Nate takes great care to speak in a way that's uh, tangible to the audience that he's in front of. Um, I've been able to uh, experience the community that he and Larita built on the uh, east side of Columbus. And it's very evident that they understood um, who Jesus was through Nate and Larita's preaching. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say the same for Jarrell. Um having the opportunity just to get to know him over the past five or six years and just the, the confidence, but not, not in like a, an arrogant or a cocky form of confidence, but just confident in who he is and who God has called him to be and uh, his confidence in the potential and purpose uh, that God has for the people that he's ministering to and serving. It's just so evident in the way that he carries himself and projects himself and uh, just his way to relate uh, to people of whatever background or experience um, is something that I've always just admired in in the way that he presents the gospel. Thank you. So maybe the better question is, when preachers are less than creative, um, how does that make you feel sort of a, as a colleague when when you're exposed to um, you know, to, to preaching that, that just, you know, it feels like it's a Saturday night special or, um, you know, maybe, maybe they looked it up, uh, and, and found it on the internet there actually used to be books of sermons that you could get before, mm -hmm. um, you know, which I guess is just proof that pastors are sufficiently lazy that at some point somebody realized <laughs> there was a market where they could publish a book of sermons yeah. that people would just take right off the shelf and preach as if they were their own. Um, but, uh, New York times bestseller, <laughs> <laughs> but what does it, what does it do to you when you hear a less than creative sermon? Uh, so when I was on the seminary staff for the Salvation Army, one of my responsibilities was, um, evaluating sermons and presentation. Uh, and I think that although the rubric was centered around structure and less around content, um, you can see people's care and the work and the effort uh, that they put in. Um, and I think that when you see it in real time, I think for many people who don't put the type of effort that I think Nate puts into his messages, um, you, you can feel it in the room. It's almost like a comedian bombing 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you've ever seen that before where the words just aren't connecting. Um, and I think that people can people can feel if you care about what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I think it's just such, it's a incredible responsibility, um, incredible privilege to bring the word. Um, and it's nothing that, that we deserve to even do. <laughs> and so when I view um, the responsibility of crafting a sermon or putting in the necessary research, um, I view all of that as an act of worship. And so if I'm going to get up on a Sunday morning or at an event uh, in the middle of the week and, and open the word, without putting in the study, without putting in the, the context, without finding a way to relate to the people that are sitting there, um, that I've done not just a disservice to them, but I've, I've done a disservice to the Lord. And so I think just not taking yourself too seriously, because at the end of the day, um, we get to do this. We get to partner into what the Holy Spirit's already doing. Um, but taking yourself seriously enough to know that um, there is there is spiritual authority and there's power in bringing the word, and it's not it's not something to just you know handle willy nilly, but to to really take full advantage of the opportunity and, and seize it and allow the Lord to do amazing things through it. And maybe going under the hood a little bit, because um, we've all been in situations where we have been called upon or had the responsibility to preach every single Sunday. Um, and now you're both in roles that don't necessarily call for that throughout the year. Um, but you know, when, when you are in that mode where you have to do it every week, um, and I know it, it varies based on the, on the text, it varies based on whether, uh, you're in a series or not, but how much time on average do you put into, um, you know, your prep for a a sermon that you're going to preach? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I, I, for, for me, it takes me a long time, uh, to be honest. Um, so what, what we would do, uh, my wife and I, uh, in our last appointment was we would, we would alternate. Um, she, she's a great pre- preacher as well and, uh, definitely wanted her to be able to, to minister in that way and use her gifts in that way. And so we would alternate, which would allow us, uh, kind of time in between to decompress and to refresh, um, and to also study. Um, but for me, a lot of the sermon, you know, uh, generating process would take place like in the car ride, um, you know, to work during the day. If I'm listening to a podcast or listening, I to thought something. you were going to say to church on Sunday morning, it take place yeah. in the car ride. I'm in church. I'm in church. No, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of creative sparks happen in the shower as well, which is, it's crazy, but, um, I, I have written a lot in the car though, too. I, I, yeah. I know that. Um, That's not very safe. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think, you know, once we we would do a lot of series preaching, and so we would have kind of a roadmap of where we were headed, and that would help ground a a lot of our our preparation in advance. And so if you know thematically where you're going um, and you have that week in between, you can kind of piece together stories and illustrations and um, just everyday experiences that kind of fit the narrative of where you're going that fit the text. And um, that, that seemed to work well for us. Um, I'd say on average, at least 12 to 15 hours um, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I'm a little less than that um, only because my style of, of preaching and, and recent history has, has required 
a lot of adjustment based on the variety of congregations that I'm in front of. Um, so I, I tend to leave space for those changes in real time um, just because you, you can, you know, one week I'm at the Cincinnati Westside Corps, which is 80% children, <laughs> you know, and then the next week I'm in Lexington with retired generals. And, and so, you know, you, we, because the audience has changed so much and you're using new material uh, in this role, it's a little easier because if the core already has a direction that they're going in, they can give me the reference and then we can build around that. Um, but when I had my own congregation on a weekly basis, we, we were big fans of calendars uh, like Nate had mentioned to get those themes so that you can kind of be guided by it. Uh, one thing that I've always found that helped is to make sure that my uh, preaching calendar and my Bible study calendar lined up so that um, you weren't trying to stuff too much <laughs> in a Sunday morning and, you know, just to get all the stuff that's in your head out so that uh, that really helped to be able to uh, be able to express well, things in it, a concise way. It's also way. complimentary for your people that way as well. Right. right? So that, mm -hmm. Absolutely. you know, because the Bible study context allows for give and take, it allows them to mm -hmm. ask questions. Um, but, but also, yeah, I've, I've seen that one too, where you see that the, the preacher wants to uh, show their work um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and give us everything they've got on a particular passage. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, leaving some for, uh, for midweek. Um, but, but I remember, it, I remember when I was a, a new Lieutenant, so a new pastor in the Salvation Army. And uh, I, I, I must've been going a little long because a more experienced officer was in the back of the room and she literally goes, tapping her watch <laughs> loud enough for me to hear it and uh but that was helpful <laughs> and and we love her <laughs> well i was in a situation you talked about preaching to a congregation full of kids i was in a, a congregation where a kid just yelled out boring <laughs> if that doesn't break the spirit i don't know what will yeah yeah but yeah, so you're both in roles uh, right now where you do not have a, a steady Sunday congregation and you're called to do what's, uh, what, what's called in the Salvation Army specialing, which means you're going around and visiting various uh, Salvation Army congregations, some of, some of whom you're familiar with um, and, and kind of know in advance, um, and some of whom you're kind of walking in and it's, it's almost a blank slate. Um, mm -hmm. And so talk about the, the difference of prepping for a congregation, you know, versus uh, a, a, a con an unknown, basically. Yeah. For me personally, I, I love um, traveling to different core on a Sunday morning, um, seeing, seeing our young people, seeing uh, people that we've made connections with through camp or other uh, divisional events. Um, but it's just amazing. Like you said, um, just how, different every congregation is and so um a few few weeks ago we were all the way out in, in uh we were in athol <laughs> a few weeks ago and athol is much different than uh boston central which is predominantly spanish speaking and so had the opportunity to preach in both places uh, both both so different in just style of worship and also just the demographics and makeup of the core um, but just uh, to see the, the diversity in the body of Christ and, and see, you know, how God is moving in different ways in different places, um, just being sensitive to how that's taking place. Um, I think anytime that you enter into those spaces as a guest or a presenter, um, you come in um, 
with humility and you come in um, to be a part of, of what the Lord's doing, um, not to bring something revolutionary because it's that's not what we do, um, but we come in um, just with a desire to see God move in whatever way um, he has, uh, you know, whatever way he's planning to move in that space. And uh, yeah, I, I love being a part of those experiences. Yeah, I know for when I'm moving into a familiar space, it's a little easier because you have some established relationships and you can kind of get an idea of what's needed. Uh, One of the things that helps me when going into the unknown is if I get invited to special at a church, I, I invite myself to their youth programs that same week so that I can have some type of reference for who these people are and establish at least one or two meaningful relationships uh, before turning up on a Sunday. Uh, and I find that it helps for the congregation to be more willing to hear yeah. from what I have to say, because there's a personal relationship, at least in the beginning stages. I heard an Irish comedian uh, talking to a, an American comedian and saying, look, if you're going to play a show in Ireland, you better make sure that you're able to reference the pub in the center of town or some, <laughs> you know, something that that town is known for. If you do that, mm-hmm. the crowd will love you right away, uh, mm-hmm. she said, because because. As the Irish, we're just obsessed with ourselves. We just want to hear about our own town. We, you know, we don't really want to hear about what you're going to tell us about, you know, taking a cab in Manhattan or whatever. We want you to come in and, you know, talk about uh, passing by Shaughnessy's, uh, you know, in the in the middle of the afternoon and what you might have observed there. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's a similar tip in terms of, you know, go to the uh, go to the youth programs that week and and you have a little bit more context um, right. for, uh, you know, for what's going on. Um, and, and Nate, you mentioned going in with humility. Uh, I can remember, uh, going to, uh, to, to preach at a core and, um, and I actually said this sentence out loud to the core officer of the core. Yeah. I think this is pretty much the, the best sermon I got going right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he was uh, a very experienced officer and, um, he just, he just looked at me and um, we kept going. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I am mortified now when I think back about that experience. Um, uh, yeah. And um, yeah, I want to crawl under this desk right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Darrell, did you have any other, uh, any other questions for Nate? I think, uh, Nate, specifically, because you are now ministering in uh, what we call in the Salvation Army a divisional appointment, uh, it can be difficult to, because you don't have that weekly congregation, how have you found your ministry uh, locally in your new appointment? Where's your new congregation? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, something that I really struggled with at the start, um, we moved uh, August 5th, 2020. And so it was like the height of COVID. There wasn't really much going on. Um but really, um, very quickly, the, the youth department team um, that's established here became family, became instant community, um, work, get the opportunity to minister alongside some really exceptional individuals. And I'm not just saying that because one of them is uh, Drew's wife, Jen. Um, but uh, I, I have to say I that, was watching out for you with the Athol stuff. I was seeing where you were going to go with that. I loved Athol, man. It reminded me of a place. It reminded me of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It reminded me of the Mennonites. There you go. The great little town. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that really helped um, kind of bridge some instant community right there. And then uh, we were we were so fortunate um, last summer to have 
camp um, when, when so many camps across the territory uh, weren't able to operate um, the, the blessing that, that, that we had to have that, that community um, and to really dive into that. And so even in the lead up to that, um, our, our team was, was doing a young adult small group to get to know the staff, um, to get to build that relationship uh, that would carry right over into the summer. Um, and so now our, our community, um, uh, we, we have friendships that have been established now, uh, you know, things like mass going out to, to play my instrument at nine o'clock on a, on a Monday night, I consider that a community. Um, it's, you know, things that we took for granted that maybe when they were going on before, we didn't really uh, cherish as, as closely uh, as we should. And, uh, now to have those opportunities again, um, I'm really clinging to them and, and uh, taking full advantage of those things. Right. We should definitely record another podcast at like 1115 on a random Tuesday in July uh, when, you know, three kids have tried to run off camp that day and uh, a staff member just, uh, you know, failed to show back up for work and, uh, and, and, you know, an angry parent is on the, on the phone and, and three kids are sitting in the office because they woke up all their cabin mates. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about the joys of that creative ministry. Of <laughs> yeah. I, I think these smiles will all look a lot different. That's right. <laughs> well, I'll have the smile cause I will have uh, absolutely no responsibility in that matter. Yeah. Sean Bellinger, Sean Bellinger, former camp director at Camp Swinecki. Uh He was one of our guests for youth councils. And he goes, man, this is great. We were walking back at around 1030 at night. He goes, I don't have to chase anybody back to their cabins. <laughs> yeah, that's like coming back as a grandparent. Once you've, uh, once right. you've done that job, right. you're coming back to that same spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think it's, it's time for the Pulse, unless uh, you got anything else. Yep, let's do it. All right. Let's take the pulse. Uh, Nate, we'll let you go first. What are you watching these days? I am watching a lot of NBA playoffs. I am a Sixers fan. And so uh, Joel Embiid coming back with the mask and Harden showing up in the fourth quarter finally uh, to even up the series was beautiful. So I am watching the playoffs. Well, it was uh, with some nerves as I came upstairs at the end of the third quarter to record this podcast, but I am happy to report that the Boston Celtics defeated the Milwaukee Bucks to bring the series (laughs) even. Um, Two two. Uh, despite the fact that Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo is just punching people in the face, and then the guy yeah. he punched gets gets called for the foul. <laughs> it's called star power, baby. <laughs> uh, I I tweeted about this the other day. There is so much on the TV landscape that's hitting right in the middle of the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, just to run it down a little bit, uh, Better Call Saul, Atlanta. Uh, both have new episodes out. Um, yep. We Own This City, which is a new Baltimore crime show. Uh, Winning Time, the Lakers uh, sort of documentary about the, uh, uh, you know, about the Showtime. late 70s, early 80s. Um, prime, you know, the uh, Showtime Lakers. Um, and then, oh, Ozark, which, uh, Ooh, which uh, I did get through. Uh, but there's like so many things. And then there's like three shows I haven't even started yet. Um, yeah. I, it's just an incredible time in, uh, in, in TV releases. I don't know if it's some sort of like, this is as shows are coming out of COVID, you know, uh, shutdowns. It's like, 
they they're all hitting at this one time or what? But it's it's nuts how much there is to watch. I feel like I, I'm never going to catch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to talk through that. Talk Go through ahead. that Ozark sometime because my head is still spinning. Did you get to the end? I did yeah, yeah. Right. O- Ozark's a popular show right now, which means I'll probably catch it somewhere in 2026 <laughs> and, uh, and then talk to you guys about it. Then I'm, I still haven't watched the Mandalorian season two yet um, <laughs> because a friend of mine wants to talk about it and he hates spoilers and I refuse to release him from this prison that I've encased him in. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm watching a show called The Last Kingdom right now. Uh, catching up on that, my man Uhtred of Bebenberg is dealing with the Danes on the border again, and uh, I really enjoy it. I remember Uhtred. I I definitely have read that book. We we discussed that on the podcast before, but I uh, I have <laughs> read that book. Yeah, I got to get in. There's another show that I have to that I have to get to. Too many. What are you listening to, Nate? Listen, Scott. Just listen to me. You listen to me. Listen, I gotta go do this report. Listen, listen. At ease. Listen up. Just listen up, man. Listen, I'm sorry. Listen to me. Listen to that. Yeah, listen, Walter. So you listen to me and you listen well. Um, so my wife and I, we love uh, true crime podcasts. And so basically every Sunday on the way to church, probably not the best way to get our hearts and minds right, but we listen to uh, the Crime Junkies podcast and uh, it's great. Um, it's just great storytelling. I uh, really appreciate the the two women on, on the show who uh, bring these stories and it, it's not just, you know, sensational stories, but it's, it's the advocacy work that goes along with it. Um, they use their platform to really um, raise funds for um, these families and, and, help solve some, some cold cases. And so the crime junkies podcast is, is really awesome. And then in terms of music, uh, really enjoying um, elevations, newest album lion um, that great, great stuff. Bye bye. Babylon is uh, probably my favorite song right now. Well, very similar for me. Uh, Miley Cyrus uh, just dropped a new live album this week. So almost exactly Party like in the USA. Um, I, I have owned it before. Uh, I, I actually enjoy her music, especially as she's taken this turn toward rock. Um, she has kind of this, this classic voice and she's kind of doing like a, a whole Stevie Nicks, Joan Jett thing right now. And, um, so yeah, the second that showed up in my Spotify feed, I started listening to, uh, Miley's live album. Not, not all of which is, um, good for your soul. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I've I've just picked up uh, Kendrick Lamar's newest single came out last night, um, The Heart Five, and uh, I've enjoyed that single. But other than that, I've been listening to my true crime podcast called The uh, Casual Criminalists, uh, catching up on some of that. But uh, another one I started today is called The uh, The Undertow. It's about these two reporters from Boston who head up to Maine to investigate a story about a hospital that's just appeared um and what they do in there and why it's impacting the people in the town so it's been pretty good is this another one of your q code joints uh this is not q code but it was recommended me recommended <laughs> to me by q code and apparently it came out in like 2018 <laughs> so it's pretty on brand for me well i mean i'm a true crime guy too and and when i think that i've you know listen to every true crime podcast out there. And you guys just named two of them that I've never even heard of before, let alone <laughs> listen to. Uh, that is a, a deep, deep well of content. 
Uh, right. What are you reading? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> All right. So every day uh, I've been trying to read, um, it's called The Daily Text by Seedbed. Um, Asbury Theological Seminary uh, produces these kind of like five minute de devotional shots that you can either listen to or read. Uh, and so I've been uh, working through uh, those with kind of an accountability uh, small group class meeting band of uh, five other guys, uh, session mates of mine. And so we've been reading through that every day. And then um, in terms of authors, uh, my favorite author is, is uh, Pastor Timothy Keller. Um, so I've been reading, uh, looking through some of his books that I, that I own uh, most recently, uh, Prodigal God and uh, Generous Justice are two of my favorites. What are you reading, Darrell? Right now, I'm kind of in between books. Um, I'm not reading anything at the moment, but um, I wrapped up some, some audio pieces recently, just some sermon series that I enjoyed listening to on some topics around in the book of Matthew. Um, but no, I'm looking for some new reads at the moment. Well, I actually read a physical book over vacation. Uh, shocking. Um, Check you out. But uh, it's called Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. Um, and uh, it was just one of those books I couldn't put down, uh, especially at 6 a.m. when I went out to secure the family's, uh, you know, chairs by the pool um, <laughs> at, at the resort. That is a father's job on vacation. And so I'd bring my That's book right. and, uh, and you know, just enjoy a couple of hours of, of quiet as, um, you know, Caribbean winds uh, blew, blew me uh, halfway off the chair as I was, I was reading the book. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a really good one, Commonwealth. Uh, what is God saying to you, Nate? So I think uh, the resonating theme for the past like year or so, um, as we come out of this era of whatever we just experienced the past two plus years and looking looking ahead, I think there, there can be a lot of discouragement and distraction and um, kind of defeatism as to like grieving what was lost and kind of comparing how things were, if we're quantifying things numerically versus what the reality on the ground is now. And so you know, something that the Lord's been pressing both on my heart and uh, my wife's heart is um, that, that, that challenge from scripture, don't despise small beginnings uh, for the Lord delights to see the work begin. And so just that challenge to be faithful, even in the small things um, and, you know, allowing the Lord to take whatever small meager offering we have to do something that, Maybe we don't even see right now uh, in the present, um, but just being faithful in the small and stepping out in confidence and faith, uh, knowing that the Lord's got it all established already. Amen. How about you, D? Yeah, you know, for me, it's been a season of observation. Um, I think I've been blessed with given some opportunities to be in the background. Uh, kind of really watch my team grow and develop and just be excellent at what they do and kind of encourage and support them in that way. Um, I told a story a couple of days ago about how when we started the divisional worship band Ignite, um, I was the guitarist and then we found someone who plays guitar better than me. And so I moved over to bass. Then we found someone who plays bass better than me. 
So I started to chord on the keyboard. Then we found someone who plays that much better than me. And now I'm the photographer. So it's like, you know, it was one of those things where you kept, there could have been a feeling of being replaced when really God just continues to send help and opportunities for me to support and really just been embracing that recently. That's great. Well, I, um, I am typically in the office in new London on Mondays, but, uh, today I actually had the opportunity to, to go to the core and, um, uh, help to pack the, uh, I don't even know what we, what we did, probably 72 boxes of food for distribution tomorrow. Um, and, uh, and it was entirely soldiers of the Corps who were there to pack this food. Um, and in some ways you could think, well, maybe community volunteers could do that, but it felt very sort of, um, original William and Catherine Booth, you know, Salvation Army meeting those, uh, human needs in Jesus name without discrimination. And that we as Salvation Army soldiers are, are called to participate in that, um, to, to play a role in that. And we really have become kind of the, the core group, the, uh, C-O-R-E group um, that that does that um, on a bi, bi-weekly basis. Um, oh. And I'm generally not available Mondays, so I'm generally there for the distribution. Let me tell you, the distribution is light work uh, compared to um, taking all that stuff in off the pallets and then you got to move it to a different spot so that everybody else can load it into the boxes. And and so I was kind of the, the uh, plow horse today, uh, moving everything around. Um, but it just felt great to be uh, a group of salvationists taking that challenge on um, and meeting that need uh, in our community. And then um, having having been able to see the, uh, the Tuesday of it all, uh, of the people coming in and being very grateful for that um, that help. Um, it's, uh, it's a great thing. Um, and it was good to be able to, to fill in for our, uh, core officer who was, uh, out of commission today. So, um, what are you creating right now? Uh, one thing that I like to create, uh, year round is, uh, fantasy sports teams. <laughs> That's not very serious, but, uh, that is one passion of mine and, uh, always looking ahead to fantasy sports. Um, but on a how's series, your fantasy USFL league going? <laughs> you know, I, I gave up after I realized the Pittsburgh Maulers are really bad, like really bad. They're are, are there good teams in that league? <sighs> Not relative to the to the talent on the. Field. I can't get over the the crowds. I mean, it's fewer people than at like a middle school football game, let alone a high school football game. I mean, there is yeah. nobody in these stadiums. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Um, but yeah, I enjoy fantasy sports. Uh, but on a, on a more serious note, uh, I, every year, one of, one of the things that has been just so uh, life-giving and impactful for my wife and I uh, in regard to our role in camp is um, really working through staff worship and helping to facilitate opportunities for deep community uh, amongst the staff. Um, and, and so last year, you know, last year, the theme on camp was, was be present, which was such a, a powerful, timely message, uh, in a, in an opportunity, in a world where, you know, we, we weren't able to be present due to all the craziness going on. And so looking ahead to, to this summer and the theme, um, do, uh, small things with great love, just, uh, we're in this, this praying through process of however the Holy Spirit wants to allow that theme to unfold this summer in the preparation of worship and the deepening of community uh, and the awareness of just those small things that, that the Lord is doing in each of our lives. And so um, I'd say 
I'm not, I'm not creating community, but I'm, I'm saying, God, you know, use whatever there is of me to partner in the community that you are creating um, for this summer and beyond. Well, I have lately um, been, uh, as a a member of the worship committee, uh, I I guess since the beginning of Lent, I've been creating the worship outlines um, from week to week. Um, And uh, and I think that's a little bit unique to our congregation, that that we do not rely uh, solely on our pastors to to do that work, but we try to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, try to step in and... um, and it's been enjoyable. Uh, we are uh, sort of at, at a, a lower point in our congregation numbers wise. And so sometimes I feel like I'm always plugging the same people in um, to, to do certain roles, uh, even as we try to be creative and use video clips and bring in uh, different readings and, and stuff like that. Um, but but I asked somebody to lead a song that I have not asked to lead a song in a long time. It was uh, Sister Gloria Durrell. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, she does the welcome every week, but we decided to let her lead a song after. And, um, she does this sort of like, if you know, sister Gloria, she kind of chats along to the song, even as she's singing it. Um, so she's sort of like given commentary, even as she's singing. Um, and it was really unique. So I asked her to lead another song this week on, on mother's day. So, uh, but, um, that whole thing of trying to, trying to come up with, you know, creative expressions, make sure that, um, it's not just, uh, kind of the same thing we did last week with different names and different titles. Um, I, I always enjoy that. Um, and, uh, so I've, I've been, uh, doing that now for, I don't know, nine or 10 weeks. So, and it also gives a break to the other person who was, uh, carrying that burden, uh, for quite a long time, especially during, uh, during the pandemic and uh, times when, when I was not there on Sundays. So it's been fun. Yeah, I know uh, recently I've been able to create a lot of enemies. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I've, I've had a, a great opportunity to continue with the woodworking um, when I have time, but I know I mentioned several weeks ago now that I've been trying to include other raw materials in my pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working recently with more metals and leather, uh, which was something that I've recently gotten into and including them in my woodworking pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got a briefcase that I'm working on right now that'll highlight all three of those elements, metals, wood, and, and raw hide and leather. I just heard today that Bill Cosby had stitched heated leather floors in his home. I just gave up leather. <laughs> I, I I think it's less about some of you know Bill Cosby's peccadillos and more about how much money do you have to have that you would invest that much in creating stitched leather flooring that's heated. That's just unbelievably that's called, decadent. <laughs> that's called that's called Jello money. That's right. <laughs> Well, Nate, we really uh, appreciate you uh, coming on for a, a late night recording after your rehearsal tonight with uh, with Mass Brass, and um, and thank you, loyal Creator Pod listeners. Uh, please like, subscribe, uh, review, all that stuff. Uh, sometimes I get annoyed when podcast hosts say it, but uh, I do actually think it helps. And um, so, so please do that. Recommend the Creator Podcast to a friend, Nate. It's been great to have you tonight. Hey, it's been great. Thank you so much. Really uh, appreciate you both. Take care. All right. They can't. They can't see you. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
<laughs> this is a podcast. What are you doing? I'm so nervous, guys. 